I want to begin today with a few case studies to help define the topic that we're discussing. I was really moved when I read a story this week by an author by the name of Amy Simpson, and she writes great authoritative work as a, as a Christian author on the issue of mental illness. If you're interested in taking this beyond me today, I would highly encourage you to go to Amazon and pick up everything that she's written down. But she shares the story of her mom. And I can tell you that in almost 18 years of ministry in this church and in this community, I have seen elements of this story time and time and time again. And I've seen this story, honestly, even almost perfectly replicated. And and here it is. She says, my mother has seen multiple psychiatrists, counselors, and other mental health professionals. She has seen the inside of more than one mental health hospital, one jail, and one prison. Her history with serious mental illness goes back more than 20 years. But if she were to go to a hospital today in urgent need of psychiatric intervention, she would most likely start from scratch with a team of professionals who have no idea what medication she takes, what she suffers from, or what she needs. She might be medicated, stabilized, and after a few days, discharged into the care of a family barely able to care for her, even after decades of practice. Every time her insurance company has made a change, a doctor moved, or the person she last saw wasn't available, she has had to meet with someone new and start over. When she went missing and lived in homeless shelters, we couldn't find her. No one would answer our inquiries. When she went to prison, I couldn't visit her because she was required to initiate a multi-step process of obtaining, obtaining approval for each visitor, and it was too much for her. Although we suspected for a long time that she suffered from schizophrenia, schizophrenia, it took 20 years for us to receive professional confirmation of her diagnosis from a medical field that is reluctant to label people. There's a story in the Old Testament about a man, a man named Ahithophel. For a time, he was a dedicated friend of King David. And when King David's son, Absalom, decides to rebel against his father in an attempt to take the throne away from him, Ahithophel actually changes sides and he betrays David. And then as he begins to give counsel to Absalom, the son who has betrayed his father, his counsel is actually seen as foolishness. So here's a man who's had an attempt at a power grab, at self-promotion, and now no one's taking his advice and he finds himself without a king or a friend. And first Samuel, uh, excuse me, second Samuel chapter 17 tells us what happens next. Chapter 17 verse 23 says when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey and went off home to his own city. He set his house in order and he hanged himself. And he died and was buried in the tomb of his father. The shame and disappointment at the, at the most basic root of all of this, just the shame and the disappointment he felt from being unable to achieve the level of status and success that he was pursuing, he was pursuing caused this man to take his own life. Then there's another case study from Scripture. This one involves one of the most well-known and important prophets in Jewish history. One of the most powerful men seemingly in all of the Bible. It's Elijah. His name means God is God. And during a time when it seemed like the entire nation of Israel had turned their back on God, he challenged the prophets of the false god Baal to a duel on a hilltop on a mountain range called Carmel. Each side was invited to build an altar, to lay a sacrifice on top of the altar, and then ask their God to send fire from above. Only Elijah's God, and my God, by the way, Yahweh, 
Only Elijah's God sent fire from above. Elijah has made a dramatic point against spectacular odds. He has been part of a miraculous demonstration of God's power. His foes are scattered. Many of them are killed in the process. The people are rallied. He is on a tremendous high. And then he hears that Queen Jezebel wants him dead now more than ever. And his response is a little different than what you might expect from this powerful man of God who has just, even in the last few moments, been used in spectacular ways. Look at his response to Jezebel wanting to take him out. First Kings chapter 19 says this, Then he was afraid, and he arose, and he ran for his life, and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went further. He went a a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, "It's, It's enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree, which provides the shade of really a rose bush. He just collapsed. Physically, he must have experienced a rush of adrenaline as fire rained out of the sky and his enemies were conquered. But no one could physically look and make a diagnosis. All that we know is that this hero of the faith experienced one of the most remarkable miracles in all of Scripture, and then almost immediately a dramatic episode of depression that caused him to ask God to take his life. I got to be honest. When we had this idea of doing a series called The Elephant in the Church, The Elephant in the Room, the things that you guys are maybe feeling like churches don't ever talk about, I I really didn't see this one coming. But from the cards that we got back, we received many, many questions about what we're talking about today. Issues of mental illness, mental health, and even suicide. And some of those questions are, they were all across the board, but it's the idea of of what is it? What causes it? I've I've got someone in my family who's dealing with something. I I don't know what to do, or I'm dealing with this. Is there something wrong with me? I, I mean, I believe in Jesus, but I'm on medicine. Is that okay? I mean, I need these pills. I mean, do I not have enough faith? What am I doing wrong? I, I, I had a little fun with you guys a few weeks ago when that pollen was really, really heavy. And I said, how many of you here today are on Zyrtec or Claritin? And I mean, it was like we were having church. Hands were raised across the room. I mean, a, a majority of the room were, were popping those things like it's nobody's business. I mean, really and truly. I'm, don't raise your hand, but if I were to ask the question, who in this room today is on Zoloft, Wellbutrin, Paxil, we would find that anywhere from 25 to 35% of people in churches are taking some form of those medicines. They're called SSRIs. And to be honest, there's really no difference in people taking them in the church as there are outside of the church. And these medicines are taken to help people deal with issues like anxiety, depression, even just deep-rooted fears that don't really have a, a name or a label attached to them. Others are taking things today for what we might look on as the outside, from the outside, as more serious mental health challenges, things like post-traumatic stress disorder or from being bipolar, and some have gotten so low that they regularly contemplate suicide. 
anywhere from in one in four people in the church and our community are dealing with these issues. And all across the board, from depression and anxiety to being bipolar or schizophrenic or, or, or suffering from one of those things, whatever the issue is, all across the board, they come in, in mild to severe. So most of us are going to deal with or are going to be around someone who's dealing with these issues at any given time, every single day even. Issues in mental health are impacting more kids and teens than ever before. They, they struggle with stress and anxiety and depression and staggering numbers. And, and it seems to be climbing on a regular basis. And there's more and more studies now that show that it's climbing from just as even the use of social media. Where our preteens and our teens are going out and they're, and they're looking at things so much and they're comparing themselves to others and it's absolutely making them depressed. Suicide is now the third leading cause of death for people between the ages of 15 and 25. And then there are some people who just, it starts out very simply. They go for long periods of time having trouble sleeping. It's not because they're not tired. It's not because they don't need the rest, but because they are afraid of what they're going to wake up to and face the next day. I mean, I think all of us have these moments where you you can't sleep, where you're restless, where you're struggling with things. and, And sometimes those are very mild for some, but it can get to a point where it's prolonged and it actually affects brain chemistry and can create downward spirals with very serious negative side effects. I mean, one in four people are going to deal with these things and it moves around. It moves around, so one in four may be dealing with it today, and then it's going to move from one of the four of you to, it may move to one of the next four people. I mean, it's going to, it's going to move around. It's a constant issue in our society, yet a majority of churches never speak on it. It's not exactly the one you plan to give and expect a high attendance day. I mean, I just got to be honest. I'm impressed the room is full. All right, this is not typically the bring your friend to church message, okay? I mean, if someone brought you here today, now you know why. Um, (laughs) We've been telling them for weeks what we're speaking on today. If someone came up to you and said, today is the day you really need to be in church. And I know that there are some of you, no one invited you. Maybe you haven't been here in a while. And you saw it on Facebook. And you're here today because you need help. You're here today because for you, this is a very serious issue. You're dealing with this. You've got a child or a teenager dealing with this. You've got a parent that's, that's dealing with serious mental health issues. And you're just thinking, what does God have to say about all of this? And honestly, in general, churches tend to handle mental illness in one of three ways. Either they ignore it, They treat it exclusively as a spiritual problem, maybe, and tell someone they have a demon. Or they refer people to professionals and just wash their hands of them. Dr. Henry Cloud would say this, those on one side of the issue say that people who struggle emotionally are in sin. They don't have enough faith. They're not being obedient to God. They don't spend enough time in the Word. Those people tend to blame the hurting person for his or her pain. Why would we ever want to blame the hurting for their own pain? Why would we want to ignore? And by ignoring, create a a stigma on an issue that impacts so many people in our society. What I want to suggest today 
is a different way. Unfortunately, the global church's willingness to ignore or pass people off has just created a lot of shame for people. And a lot of people won't even darken the door of the church because they just believe that they're not going to get help because the church is never talking about it. Listen, ignoring the hurting is just plain cruel. And in churches in general, we have been too good for too long at allowing the dogma of a few to isolate people who are hurting the most. And by doing that, we send the message that our faith isn't big enough to handle the problems that we don't understand. Can I just tell you something? God can handle any problem. He can handle any question. He does not shrink back, and so the people of God should not either. The hope in talking about mental health issues... Our hope in talking about these issues today of mental health is that we might be able to connect with someone who have serious questions and doubts about the goodness of God. And if we cannot, if we don't talk about these issues, then we don't have the opportunity to connect with people and to point them to Jesus. And that's exactly my prayer and my hope today is that no matter who you are or what you're struggling with, whether it's a mental health issue, whether it's an addiction issue, no no matter what your issue is today, that at the end of the day, you will know that you can count on Jesus. So I want to take just a moment and let's look at the potential physical issues that someone dealing with depression and anxiety and other forms of mental illness, what they what they might be dealing with. Again, everyone from, from mild to severe impacting as much as 25% or greater of this room at, at any time. Have you ever felt like this just in general about issues going on here? Job chapter 6. Job says this, Oh, that my vexation were weighed and all my calamity laid in the balances, for then it would be heavier than the sand of the sea. Therefore, my words have been rash, for the arrows of the Almighty are in me. My, my spirit drinks their poison. Now, Job, if you don't know the story, he's experienced a lot of loss in the days leading up to this statement. He has lost all his wealth, and he was a very wealthy man. He has lost all of his children, and he had many. And and he expresses a, a heaviness that cannot even be put into words. Have you ever felt like this? Just overwhelmed. I just feel heavy about my issues, and I just don't even know how to express it. Job's just saying, it's like, it's like God is shooting me with arrows. What is going on? Several years ago, my wife spoke with a woman who had lost her young adult son in a very difficult and tragic circumstance. And this godly woman shared with Angela that for her, she had learned that, that sudden loss, and I would argue any type of, of sudden change, was literally an insult to her brain. She said, I feel like I'm literally brain damaged because of the type of loss that I have experienced. If you've ever been hurt by someone or a circumstance, you know exactly what I mean. All you know how to say is, I'm I'm hurt. Nobody has punched you. We can't see a, a, a bruise. Nevertheless, your body has had a reaction. And just because the rest of us can't see the bruising doesn't mean that we shouldn't first validate those who are hurting. One of the most important things to understand about someone dealing with mild or a mild form or a severe form of mental illness is that they are dealing with a very real physical issue. A very real biochemical physical issue. Don't, don't hear the word chemical and think mystical or imaginary. People dealing with anxiety and depression or any of these other issues, they are dealing with physical issues. 
For instance, research has shown that you can experience a serotonin drop from a variety of things, such as something causing you to lose sleep, a lack of exercise, going through a traumatic event, or just dealing with some kind of change, like moving to a new community or changing jobs. And serotonin, serotonin very simply, is just a neurotransmitter that affects mood and, and emotions and some other functions and, and, that translate through your brain. And experiencing a loss, even like a divorce, is going to cause a disruption in how that serotonin is processed. And many times that chemical imbalance is a factor in depression. Some people deal with varying levels of anxiety. A little bit of fear might protect you or even cause you to get away from a harmful situation. Sometimes the fear of failure actually helps you to perform a task better. A little anxiety can be a good thing. But some people deal with a generalized anxiety that might cause them to get anxious when there is seemingly nothing around them to harm them. There's nothing you can, you can see visually, and there's no apparent reason for them to have this anxiety for the rest of us. They are not crazy. They are dealing with real physical chemical imbalances that need to be treated. Listen, we don't blame people who get the flu, a physical issue, for getting sick. We take them soup. We don't blame people with diabetes, even if they have lived a little bit of an unhealthy lifestyle or a lot of an unhealthy lifestyle, and we're making the judgment that they've brought this on themselves. We don't don't judge people that way. We take them sugar-free jello pudding, and we say, we hope you feel better. At what point, seriously, at what point did we draw a line and say that Jesus is okay if we treat things with penicillin, but he's got something against Paxil. I mean, I know some of you are against medicine altogether. That's a different discussion. But medicine has the ability to get people through a season to a place where they can think clearly and stabilize themselves and move on to the next level. Listen, I'm not trying to condemn anyone to a a lifestyle of medicine. I'm not necessarily saying you're going to be on something the rest of your life. You, You may be if you've got a serious enough physical issue, but I am just trying to free some of you up who are dealing with feelings of such shame and failure because you feel like you're letting God down and everyone else down somehow. I want you to free you up from that and understand that you can get victory over the things that you're struggling with. And those meds may be part of the plan. People smarter than me help create those things. And I don't see where God would be against them. But one of the challenges here is more than 40% of people on some type of prescription drug for mental illness got that prescription from a medical doctor, not from someone who specializes in mental health issues and not from a Christian therapist. You walked into an office, you expressed some challenges that you're having with your emotions, and a medical doctor who didn't know what else to do wrote you a prescription. You've got to get that help from people who understand these issues both physically and spiritually, from good Christian counsel. Listen, finding some help in medicine is only going to be a small part of the process. You need to be regularly sitting down with a Christian therapist if you're struggling with any of these issues today and allow them to walk you through. There are a lot of truths in secular psychiatry and psychology, but if you sit down with someone who doesn't also know God's word and God's perspective on these issues, you can end up down some paths that are not God's best for you. We live in a fallen and perfect world. These bodies do not come into the world in a perfect state. 
Some of you in your families, or even you yourself, you are dealing with serious, real, difficult chemical imbalances. Maybe you or someone you know suffers from something that we term as more severe, like bipolar disorder, from schizophrenia. Got these issues in my own family. And maybe you felt like these issues are just to the point that the church is no place for that. That God has nothing to do with that. Can I tell you something? The church should be the perfect place for those issues. I cannot wait to share with you in a few moments how this church would like to come alongside of you. Problem is that too many people have dealt with, in the early stages, a mild form of mental illness and thought that they couldn't approach the church because churches don't typically talk about this stuff. And they try to get help in other ways. And they get chained up in the bondage of things that they have tried on their own. Some will self-medicate by abusing alcohol. A few drinks will have the same effect as an antidepressant. A few more drinks will help you forget your circumstances altogether for a time. And then when all of that wears off and the headache wears off, you're left in the midst of the same circumstances. And if you abuse alcohol long enough, your brain will be less equipped to deal with all of the struggles that you've got. Some of even finding the same temporary aid more and more in smoking marijuana. Slowly but surely, not only are our brain cells being killed, but how those brain cells react with each other. If you want to do more permanent damage more quickly and forget about things, you can try meth. That's what a lot of people are doing. Both will send you ultimately to the same place. One just takes longer to get there. Some people turn to sex, which boosts your mental state for a short period of time, and then you're right back where you started. All of these avenues to short-term relief can lead to long-term irreparable damage. And can I tell you, I talked with people today after our first service that said to me, you just described my path because I didn't know where else to go and how to get help. Some people feel so weighed down by the chains of shame. They feel so isolated. They've lost hope and dealing with the issues and they suffer from that and they get dark and it turns even into these feelings of suicide. And I want to address this because we got questions about this. Mental illness triggers those dark thoughts. It can start in even the most mild of forms for those who don't get help or pursue help in other avenues. Sin can trigger those thoughts the way that it did for Ahithophel and that story around King David or even the way that it did for Judas Iscariot in the New Testament. Addiction can trigger those thoughts of suicide. Hopelessness triggers those thoughts. I tell you, it's it's one of the things that surprised and concerned me when we got these cards back that said elephant in the church. People seemingly have contemplated, were contemplating suicide. And others just asking the question about, about loved ones and being concerned about their eternity because of some of the rumors that have floated in and out around Scripture about this issue. And let me just say, because this is one of the questions that we got, that there is no passage in the Bible that automatically sends someone to hell for committing suicide. There's no biblical law against it. However, it is never, ever God's best. Never. Jesus says He came that you might have life. 
life to the full. We've looked at this verse since this church started because it's one of the things we believe God was calling us to come and do in this community, and that's demonstrate the love and the kindness of the God who gives life. Look at how Jesus said it in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief, the enemy, Satan, the devil, he comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus is talking and Jesus says, I came that they might have life and life abundantly. Jesus didn't just come to say, I want to give you life. I just want to give you okay life. Good. I got life. I went to church today. I got a little God in my life. Got what I need. I got life. Jesus said, I didn't come for that. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. I came to seek and save those who are hurting the most. And I've come so that every single one of them and you would discover a life more than you could ever ask or imagine. A life saturated with the things of God. That's life to the full. Listen, there's a rush to blame God for things that we don't understand. And particularly those things that the church doesn't address. But can I tell you, God is never the author of struggles that rob us of a full life. Do we encounter trials? Yes, says Captain Obvious. Do bad things happen? Yes. Do we wrestle with thoughts and circumstances beyond our control that we do not understand? Yes. But we can have confidence that in our complex issues that God is still in control and he says he loves you with an ever lasting love. He has not counted you out. He's not given up on you. He has not put you on the shelf. He has not stopped loving you. He loves you. He'll never give up on you. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I love what, I love what pastor, I love what pastor Matt Chandler says. He says, human beings are so complex. When you factor in sin, trauma, insecurity, and anxiety, our brokenness becomes part of that complexity. We can begin to feel indecipherable, unfixable. The good news is that while we're at our worst, Jesus still loves us. And from that love, he has promised rescue. Can I just tell you that the words that I'm about to read are for you no matter who you are. The words that I have read are for you no matter who you are, no matter what you're struggling with. If it's a sin issue, if it's an addiction issue, if it's an issue of mental health, whatever shame, whatever regret, whatever guilt you're feeling today, I want you to allow God to throw it as far as the east is from the west because he loves you. And the psalmist says he holds fast to me in love. God says, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. I love that's so powerful. Isaiah chapter 43. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you. Who's you? You. He who created you. He who formed you. He says, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. If that doesn't fire you up, I don't know what to do for you. The God... I don't care how dark it's gotten. I don't care how bleak it's gotten. 
the God of the universe knows you by name. And beyond that, it's not just that he knows about you. He says you are his. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the, and through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. Have you ever felt like you're drowning? Have you ever felt like it's just too much? Have you ever felt like you just can't take it anymore? God says, I'm right there in the midst of that. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame will not consume you for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel. And then you can underline it. You can circle it. You can highlight it. You can pray it. You can remember it all day long. I am your savior. I'm here to rescue you. I'm not... I'm not just your savior for one day. I'm not just your savior for someday. I'm your savior for today. I'm the God who wants to be with you in the midst of your toughest trials today. Listen, I could read verse after verse after verse about how God feels about you. He doesn't isolate you. He loves you. He wants to rescue you. And if that's how he feels about people, about all people, then the people of God should express that to all people, no matter what their struggle may be. We as a church have a role to play. Proverbs 24 says this. This is a command. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know this or we didn't understand this one. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Listen, we cannot ignore those with mental illness or addiction or other hurts. This is one of those areas where we as a church have an opportunity to shine. This is one of those areas where particularly where our groups have an opportunity to shine. Listen, if you're in group, if you're in a community with someone for long enough, you're going to have the opportunity to to take them some soup. You're going to have the opportunity to visit with someone in a funeral home or or attend a funeral and support someone. You're going to have the opportunity to to go to the ball field and, and to cheer their kids on. Why would we not also walk with people while they're dealing through a season of mental illness or loss, even if it's a prolonged one? There's no reason why we can't do that even if we don't fully understand it. Listen, as a group, your job is not to cure. It's to encourage and to love and to pray and to walk with people. Job chapter 6, he says, He who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. Listen, the world of neuroscience is teaching us that healthy relationships can literally alter the chemistry of your brain. But you didn't need me to tell you that. You didn't need a scientist to tell you that. You knew that. Haven't you ever been with someone And when you got done with them or they got done with you, you just thought, oh man, I need help. That person just wore me out. They just, maybe you used a phrase like, they just sucked the life out of me. I mean, I don't know what just happened. And then haven't you been with someone who just lifted you up? Haven't you been with someone who just lifted your soul to a place that you just did not expect? They gave you such encouragement. They breathed such life into you. The way that we treat one another, having godly, healthy relationships is so important. We can lift one another up even in our darkest moments. God says that he comforts us so we we might be a blessing to others. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse four, the apostle Paul says, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any, any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, So through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. You've heard me say it before. It's so true. There's nothing more powerful than the two words, me too. I've been there too. 
I've struggled as well. Maybe not in the exact same way. Maybe yours is more severe. Maybe yours is more mild, whatever it is. But there's power. God wants to use whatever circumstance you have had. He wants to use it to allow you to breathe life into others, to breathe his life into others. And God's goal for you today is a strengthened relationship with him. It's a a strengthened faith, a ruthless trust that points others to the light of the world, even in your darkest moments, even the darkness is as light to him. God's goal for you is not just emotional peace, but freedom, true freedom that sets you free and wholeness that could only come from him. You are not crazy. I talked to the person just, you're dealing with mental health issues today. You are not crazy. You're loved. You have not lost it. I don't even know what it is, but you didn't lose it. The Apostle Paul says it this way, I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. I don't mean that your help didn't mean a lot to me. It was a beautiful thing that you came alongside me in my troubles. You may recognize it more, not just from the paraphrase called the message, but actually from a translation. Here's what the Apostle Paul just said. He says, in every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Listen, no matter what you're going through, you've got what it takes. When you've got the Son of God in your corner, you've got what it takes. And I'm not here today to just throw a little Jesus in your direction and say, go be well. I want you to know as a church, our care and support office does not dodge anything. We have some groups in this church with some amazing leaders to help get you through addiction, grief, emotional issues. Beyond that, we've had an organization in this church for years using our building on Monday nights to offer affordable care for people who says, I need help, but I, I just I can't afford it. And we're working on developing those options even further. I'm so excited about some of the things coming down the road, providing even better avenue for care. Listen, many times you need someone who knows a bit more about these issues than a pastor. We're just not that bright. But for that reason, we have people we will refer you to for help. We've got some of the best, most qualified people in all of Northwest Atlanta who attend this church. They're licensed Christian therapists, and they are who you need to be sitting down with. And they've offered their services and their resources to us. This list has been worked on for years. We've got, I'm telling you, we've got the best of the best. In just a moment, when I invite you to come to pray, I want you to know this too. They're going to be alongside of our prayer team. We asked them today. We want to be able to engage people today. So we've got professionals who are going to be up here on either side of the stage who would love to point you in the right direction. But let me just say this. God did not make a mistake with you. He will never turn his back on you. You are not a lost cause. You don't need to hide in the shadows of shame, fear, regret, depression, anxiety, or any other thing. 
In fact, he invites you to bring it all to him. In such a simple verse, with such power, I know you've heard before, 1 Peter 5, verse 7, says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. All of them. And all of you. Listen, mental illness raises some of the most challenging questions in and out of the church today. And I think throughout this series that the greatest elephant in the minds of so many people who consider coming to church is, will I even be welcome there? I mean, I'll come visit, but if they really find out my stuff, what will they think of me then? I mean, is there a God who could possibly want anything to do with me? Are my sins too much or too dark? Are my problems just too much to handle? I want to leave you with this thought. It's a quote I found from a group of authors. I couldn't pin it on any one person. It's filled with truth and it's just quirky enough that I just loved it. It said, we can rest in the truth that we have a Father who hears our feeble prayers and knows that we are fickle and flawed. His eyes are filled with kindness. Even when we spill the Cheerios and burn the toast and blame the kids for all of it, He wipes away tears of regret and hands out grace-filled snow cones on hot, judgmental days. Jesus is for us. He really wants to help. He's for you today. He's for you. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Overwhelmed that God could be even for me. Some of you today, you don't know how God feels about you. I want you to know He loves you. He loves you so much. He's for you. Even if you haven't acknowledged Him, while we were still in our sins, He sent His Son to die for us. And if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I want you to know that today, no matter where you're coming from or what your issue may be, you can reach out, you can call to Him. I would invite you to pray even now and say, God, I believe that you died for the mess that I feel like is my life. I believe that you died for my sins for every time I've missed the mark of God. And I believe that you can give me a victory I don't even understand yet. You can give me a life I don't even understand yet. So I put my faith and trust in you and I commit my life to you today. Come into my life. Lord Jesus, come.